0: Welcome to Igniting the Fire Within, a limited series podcast presented by Wildfire Magazine and The Burn Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Emily Purcell. Each week for the next year, you'll hear an essay from our book read by the author. Igniting the Fire Within is a collection of stories of healing, hope, and humor, offering an insider's view into today's young breast cancer community. We compiled 50 essays from people diagnosed in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. There's medicine for each of us in these stories, whether you've been personally diagnosed with cancer or not. Wildfire stories in general, but especially the ones you'll hear from Igniting the Fire Within, are stories of transformation. Our storytellers experienced a shift in perspective as a result of something that happened to them. And the cancer diagnosis was not the thing that happened, or it wasn't the only thing. The cancer diagnosis was merely the catalyst for later changes that led our writers to understand the deep truths about the world each one of them learned lessons that showed them what it is to live not just survive in the glare of cancer we believe deeply that the stories that change us aren't so much about what happened as they are about what came next and hearing those stories true stories of transformation that's what ignites the fire within each of us a listener note before we dive in Cancer is a salty business. Sometimes talking about it and the aftermath requires salty language. Listener discretion is advised. Today's storyteller is Emily Helk. Emily is a writer, an artist, and recently opened her own bookstore, The Lost Bookshop. At 28, she was diagnosed with stage 1, HER2-positive breast cancer. Here is Emily Helk reading her essay titled, Heat Lightning." I'm in Florida, away from home and my husband,
1: Matt, for three weeks at an artist residency. It's my first time really away since before, before the thing that happened to me. At a reception after a poetry reading, I talk to someone about a spiritualist community nearby. I have a fascination with the topic, ghosts, psychics, auras. We stand outside in the damp night air and chat about the town and the readers. And she admits to being a little that way, I'm sensitive, she says, and describes the spooky things she has predicted. Then she cautions me. If I go for a reading, I should be okay with hearing something negative. There's the good, and then there's the bad. And the swarm in my brain picks up, unsettled. Sometimes, as I walk through the lush grounds of the artist's residency, a bee or some other insect will haunt me, buzz in my ear aggressively. I keep going, stiff-armed head down, through the vegetation, not wanting any trouble. She's sensitive, she says. I think of the time on my birthday when I went to two psychics on my way to the bar, ready to hear the fabulous things my 28th year had in store for me. They did not mention that I would be spending half the summer in Rome. They did not mention Paris. Instead, they both told me, you are headed somewhere dark, and warned me that I needed to do something or I would be consumed. Why are you so resistant to help, one demanded. I had forgotten this until I was going through a journal over a year later. Four months after those readings, I was diagnosed with cancer. I don't believe in this stuff anymore, I don't. But tonight, when she warns me to be ready for bad news, I get filled with that old feeling, all that buzzing in my head. If there's bad news coming, I know what it will be. I lose myself to the roar of tiny wings. I get a glass of wine and wander and hide in the bathroom for a while. Don't cry, not here. And keep it together, keep it together, on repeat. But the hum is furious and strong. I want Matt. I need to fall into his arms on the couch with the TV blaring and for him to fiddle with the clicker because, quote, fixing the remote is easier than fixing you, As my therapist friend says, I need his imperfect presence, the reality of his body, the perfume of him that is mild everywhere but on his pillow, so that when I roll onto it in the morning, after he's up, I can't sleep for suffocating in him. At the party, I load my plate with cruciferous vegetables, those promoters of cancer cell death, and all the colors the nutritionist says I should eat. In this moment, this is all there is. Wording off death with crudité, I chomp cauliflower like a maniac, can't make conversation for all the chewing. In the van ride back to the residency, I fight the nausea that I will say is from motion sickness, but is really the hive inside stirring me up. We are headed toward a column of clouds, full of an orange lightning I'd never seen before. I'm used to it being white or blue. I wait for the storm that will come with this light and break the autumn swelter. But we drive for a long time and nothing happens. Just more light show in terrifying, gorgeous, hot colors. Finally, I ask the driver, is that just heat lightning? And I shock myself with how frightened I sound. He says he thinks so. When we're back, I race to my room and take one of the scored little pills I've been given by my oncologist. I do not split it in half like I normally do. And then my phone buzzes, and I see there are a hundred texts from Matt I've missed, and I panic that there's something wrong, but it's just that he's gone to a new restaurant and is loving it so much. They have a thousand different burgers and his favorite beer and macaroni and cheese. It's like this place was built in my mind, he writes. I laugh, and then cry, because I don't want to miss the places he builds in his mind, and I don't want him to be alone, ever. I don't want to be alone, ever. And that's what it is, isn't it? The end, I mean. Alone, forever. That's what I thought when I was a little girl, probably after my dad read me a Christmas carol. I thought you were in a box, under the ground, in the dark, alone, just waiting. Kind of like getting a PET scan, except no voice talking to you through the speaker, telling you when to breathe, when to hold it, and when to stay absolutely still. I don't tell him this. I don't tell anyone this. He is still texting gleefully. He's like a little boy. My little boy. The Adivan is starting to kick in. In the dark moments, I think that me being away right now might for, be for him a kind of practicing, in case I should one day be gone. Not in a way that makes me jealous or sad, but in a way that might be good for him. That he could get used to it maybe, and then it wouldn't hurt so much. But who would he be texting these messages to at 10pm on a Tuesday? In his last one, he's begging for me to guess what the best thing of all about this restaurant is. And I know the answer, so I finally type back, It's reasonably priced. Reasonably priced is some of his highest praise. He's not cheap. He just honors fairness. I collapse in bed with Netflixed Betty Draper and the effects of the Ativan. It works so well but sometimes I'm afraid I might take the whole bottle. The heat lightning flashes all night. You are considered cured of this disease if you die from something else. In the morning, I look up heat lightning online. I always thought it was a byproduct of heat and humidity, all the energy bumping around and sparring. It turns out that's a myth, a theory put forth by people sitting on their front porch watching the electricity. There are real storms, just too far away to hear. Here in Florida, they're often out over the sea, and they rage for hours, unheard and unfelt on the mainland. A few days later, Matt comes to visit me in Florida. We sit on a dock and watch dolphins roll cartwheels in the waves. We visit the spiritualist town and attend a meeting in the town hall with mediums in training working the crowd. One calls to me. She looks at my face and croaks out, Oh, oh my god. I brace. But instead she fumbles around, talking about my grandparents in a way that doesn't quite sound like them. After... Matt and I talk about how we both held our breath in that moment. But there are no storms.
0: There are no swarms. Not this time. I'm Emily Purcell, and you've been listening to Igniting the Fire Within, a limited series podcast by Wildfire Magazine and The Burn. Check us out at wildfirecommunity.org to order your copy of the book so you can read along each week. You'll also find our magazine and storytelling workshops there. Big thanks to our producer, Bill Smith of Shoe Production and our production assistant, Monica Haro. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. If you like what you hear, tell your best friend, tell your mom, tell your oncologist. I mean, really tell everyone you know. Or head into your podcast app and leave us a starred review to help others find their way to igniting their own fire within.